Also, I'm your host as always, Phil Brown. I join with my now regular co-host, the fantastic Zach Lloyd. This is, of course, our new show's third episode. So thanks to all of you for all your support and all your downloads. So much to talk about, of course, uh, on the... Um, we, 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 we've just closed out two incredible Champions League semi-finals. Then to talk to us about those, of course, is the magnificent Stevie Nicol, Liverpool legend. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about what happened, of course, with the Liverpool Real Madrid game, uh, or Man City Real Madrid game, and Liverpool Villarreal game. Two fantastic games. I'll start with the Liverpool um, Villarreal game. First of all, Stevie, uh, how you doing, mate? You doing good? Yeah, all good. good. Yeah. yeah. When you win, it's always, it's always good. We have we have an echo on this land. Can you hear that, Zach? Yeah. Uh, let me see. You don't have me on speaker, do you, Stevie? I do. I take me like if you put me on speaker, it's going to echo, mate. All right, I'll put you off. Cheers, lads. Let me redo that. Right, there you go. Right, Stevie. Any arch, I know. But all right, three, two. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly World Football Show, our friendly football show on our third episode, myself and Zach Lowe, uh, so much to talk about uh, today, of course, we're, um, we've just watched two fantastic Champions League semi-finals, Liverpool Villarreal and of course Real Madrid, uh, Manchester City, Liverpool Real Madrid final to talk us through some of these, of course, is the Liverpool legend, fantastic Stevie Nicol, honoured to have Stevie on the show, uh, Stevie, how you doing, mate? Yeah, all good, all Let- good after you win, Phil. Uh, yes. If you remember, if you remember <laughs> <that>. <laughs> All right, all right. That's me back on the drugs. Stevie, semi final, Liverpool. Um, I'm, I'm going to say a few things uh, uh, before, before I end up uh, uh, getting high and, and forgetting that I actually said it, shall we say. Uh, but Liverpool, um, if I look at it from a neutral's perspective, what Klopp has done there really is absolutely unbelievable. I think when you're factoring in what Klopp has done there, you also need to factor in where he was, where Liverpool were when he took over that football club. They're all, they were almost in the situation United are in now. They were sitting finished seventh, eighth. There wasn't much to be happy about. Looked like they were a mile off. They, we, we remember the conversations about transfer committees and everything else. All this seems totally irrelevant. Uh, tell me... What do you see in this Liverpool team in comparison to the greats of the past? Would you say this is the best Liverpool team? Um, and I don't want to be insulting the teams that you played in, which were fantastic, but how would you rate them in comparison to the great Liverpool teams of the past? Well, I think to do them justice, they're as good. Hmm. You know, I, I think it's impossible when you start trying to... Yeah. You, you start comparing teams of different eras. It's just, it's just impossible. Yeah. But what you can say is what they're doing... Is is just as exhilarating, just as successful, um, and it's getting done in what what I would call the Liverpool way. You know, the Liverpool that I know is is a team that people were scared to go anywhere near, dreaded yeah. that drive down the down to Anfield, dreaded stepping on the field, standing in front of the cop trying to defend their goal, and these are all the things that Klopp has brought. You know, Shankly started it, Paisley took it on. Then you had Kenny, uh, and since Kenny, we really haven't had anybody that has sort of had that feel, uh, and certainly not anybody who the fans have been able to grasp onto, which they have done with Klopp. Um, and so we're just absolutely, I mean, I don't think there's any words anymore. The fact that we were where we were when he joined to where mm-hmm. we are now, no question. You got you got to think ninety percent of it 
is down to clock. Go ahead, Zach. Absolutely. And one thing uh, that I, I think we cannot ignore from Liverpool's uh, comeback win against Villarreal at, at midweek was the importance of Luis Diaz, you know, coming on for Diogo Jota, really transforming that game. And this is a player who, let's not forget, was not even a starter at Sergio Conceição's Porto uh, last season. It was really only this season after his breakthrough performance at the Copa America for Colombia uh, and after narrowly avoiding a transfer to Everton. Uh, <laughs> I I had to bring that up. Oh my god, narrowly avoiding the transfer to Everton. For me, that's like one of my best like parallel universes. Like what would happen if he had joined them in the summer? If Everton had spent like a little less money on the likes of Sigurdsson and Awobi and could actually, you know, afford him without suffering FFP. Because I genuinely think Porto would have sold him for uh, 30, 40 million. And I think he would have accepted that transfer considering he wasn't even a starter uh, at Porto. But <laughs> I'm curious, what do you feel uh, that Luis Diaz offers in comparison to the likes of Diogo Jota and Divock Origi? I think we can all agree that if healthy, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah will absolutely be starting the Champions League final in uh, in Paris. Uh, but how do you feel Diaz compares with the other options? Do you know, I think I think one of the great things that Liverpool have is they have so much diversity in what they mm-hmm. have. You know, you've got Divock Origi who's come on from the bench because, in my opinion, that's where he deserves to be. But has yeah. but has performed, and he's nothing like they've got. He's a big, he's a big lumpier boy that 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 somehow has managed to score some incredible goals. You've got Jota who really just sniffs stuff out with balls whipped in the box. You know, Salah's more of an individual. Then you got Manny who's a bit grumpy, but he's got pace and and scores goals and runs at people. And then you've got Diaz, who is just he's just a throwback. He's an old-fashioned winger, in my opinion. Um, but 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 probably better. That that probably doesn't do him justice, you know. So Liverpool all the way through the side, they've got so many different different things and different attributes, and that's and that's down to certainly down to the to the the, the scouting system. But a lot of it is down to the way that Klopp plays the game, because what Liverpool do. And sorry, Phil, I'm going to use Man United as yeah. an example. Man United, it seems, goes and gets players and then tries to fit them in. Mm-hmm. Whereas Liverpool go and get players that fit yep. to the system. Mm-hmm. They fit the way they play. And and when you do that, it's, that's why it's not costing you £100 million all the time. Because you're, you're planning. You're getting people when they're, near, they're, they're, they're not rookies. You know, the, Liverpool's not signed a rookie. They're all 24, 25. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Van Dyke. He, he, he's hitting his prime at Southampton. Again, Manny, he, he, he's, he's had two big clubs. Leipzig, I think, was his first club. Then he goes to Southampton, gets used to the Premier League, and then Liverpool get him from there. Salah, you know, been in Chelsea before, goes to Roma, comes in. I mean, all the decisions and all the, all the, the price I mean, every single thing about all the people that they've brought in is absolutely perfect. So yeah. and that's why I said ninety percent of it's down at Klopp, because yeah. the way he the way he deals with players, the way his team plays, uh, and certainly 
the type of players that he needs, makes it easier for your chief scout and all your scout people mm-hmm. around the world to identify players. Because you're not just going to a game and watching a game and going, oh, I like that guy. You're actually going to watch something specific. And I well, think that's the key. It, it's interesting you say that, Stevie, because there's obviously similarities in the school of thought between, you know, ideologically speaking, of course, between Klopp and Ranić. And I was listening to Ranić talk about this, of course, uh, when they were saying, oh, you need three years, you need nine windows. And he's like, you don't. If you do it right, you know exactly what you need, you exactly what you want. You know, it can be done a lot faster than that. And I think when you look at Liverpool, a key moment for me, Stevie, was how they handled the Coutinho exit. <clears throat> because Coutinho was a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, but there was a continued transition from being a team that relied on one individual, like United sort of do with Bruno Fernandes a bit, to be the talisman, to create, to cut you open. And when they sold him, in some ways they became more of a team where the responsibility was much more collective, where we're not going to have one talismanic individual, where everything, you know, and so I think the way they handled that continual transition, in my opinion, was a big moment, and they handled it well. They got good money for him and continued. Uh, in many ways, they improved when he left. You know, you, you, you're making me think of, of of what I would call the way live. The, 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 the real Liverpool way, the Liverpool that mm-hmm. I joined, was yeah. all about what Klopp's been doing. Mm-hmm. They would get people who nobody, nobody else particularly seemed interested in, mm-hmm. and and brought them in to fit the system. Yeah. Everybody that came when I was there and before me was brought in to fit the system. Klopp's yeah. doing exactly what they were doing forty and fifty years ago, mm-hmm. and and again, the the culture was. Everybody knew, you know, like, for example, when I go there, Kenny Dalglish was the star attraction. Yeah. And and everybody knew that, and we knew that. But without Kenny, we could still win. And we all knew that as well. And so everybody's actually playing for the for the club. You know, yeah. nobody's playing for themselves in particular. Yep. Really important. And, and that's what you've got right now. You know, we... I was talking last night about, you know, Real Madrid against Liverpool in the, in the final. Mm-hmm. Who, who do you think? I said, well, let's be honest. If you take Benzema out of Real Madrid, you're taking 50% of your, your, your chance away. If you take Salah out of Liverpool, then, yes, it takes a little bit away, but they're still good. they can still win. You still th- they're still favourites. And that's, that's the other thing. Apart from the great players and the way they play and the whole... It's not just about one individual, correct? Because they all they all mesh in together, and they're all just as important as each other. And the key, again, when I joined Liverpool, we all knew that we were all we all had a role, and that we were all important. And that's what this team does. This team mm-hmm. knows that everybody matters, not just one guy or a couple of guys. I mean, again, there are so many parallels to to the great Liverpool sides of the yep. past that this team's doing. Yeah, I agree with that. And fun fact for you, uh, the last time Real Madrid lost a Champions League final was 1981 in Paris against Liverpool, I believe. Oh! A few months yeah. before you joined, Stevie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, are you listening? I remember the goal well. Ball through from Sunas. Dalglish dinked it over the goalkeeper. Thanks very much. That would be the same one. Uh, 
Uh, Stevie. Oh, was that Alan Kennedy? Alan Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> how much will revenge and be on Liverpool players' minds, given what happened with Sergio Ramos, given what happened with Mo Salah? And if that is on their minds, Stevie, there's an old saying in boxing, you fight mad, you lose, right? And right. I just wonder, can you become too obsessed with revenge and overlook some certain things, you know, I, I, I'm reaching here because I know Klopp is extremely professional, so. and I'm yeah. sure that that won't be the case. But um, you know, no, I think I think this team will I think this team will use the revenge in the right way. Right. There's no question they want revenge, but I think I think they'll use it in the right way uh, because people people like Ramos are not there anymore, mm-hmm. and so it changes the revenge. I think a little bit. When somebody like him is not there, sure. okay. you still have the revenge, but you've you've still got the, and as you said, we we clop that that's not going to happen. He's going to make sure they they go about it the way they they, they want to. Sometimes sometimes it doesn't work. Every 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 football team's the same. There are there are times when it just doesn't work, mm-hmm. and that's what happened against Villarreal in the first half. Right. But then but then your great coach gets them back, and they go from they go from. Ten mile an hour to a hundred, just Incredible. in the space of fifteen minutes at half time, and and then we see the real team. So I don't, I don't, I think the revenge aspect will be a positive one, not a not a negative sure. one. Steve. Uh, oh, by the way, actually, here's another fact for you. Yeah. So Liverpool have won the European Cup slash Champions League twice in Rome. Hmm. So if you believe all that stuff, they're going to win it well, twice in Paris. Well, wasn't the uh, one in Rome was was that the one Grabbler did the uh, wobbly legs? That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That was the so, second uh, one. The first yeah. one was Tommy Smith header. Yeah. Uh, I think when when Grabbler did the wobbly legs one, that was just right whenever I was at an age where I was really starting to you know remember. I remember bits and pieces of football around five six, but I remember watching that. What was I nine? I think at the time. So. Uh, I remember what my poor brothers unfortunately were yeah. Liverpool fanatics. So <laughs> hey, I know I know we won and they wobbly leg, but we always tease him when we see him because he never actually saved the penalty. Oh, that's right, because he he, he, he never saved the penalty. That's he right, either yeah. scored or ballooned <laughs> it over the crossbar, so he didn't actually save a penalty. <laughs> he could uh, actually he could have actually gone and stood behind the goal and laid down. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be like, you lost the rapper balls and then what a thing. Steve, we've seen the past few games, uh, Jurgen Klopp mixing it up in the center of the pitch between Jordan Henderson, the captain, Navi Keita, Diago Alcantara, uh, Fabinho, so on, so on. Where do you see uh, Liverpool's strongest center, strongest midfield trio? Going into the final games of the Premier League season, as well as going into this Champions League final, if you're Jurgen Klopp. Well, I think I think the fact that they're in four finals um, tells you the depth they've got, not just in the middle of the park. I mean, I'll answer I'll answer that in a second, but but they've actually got depth all across the back line, the, the middle of the park, and the forward line. <clears throat> I mean, including Divock Origi, he's got six choices for three spots up front. Yeah. Incredible. You know, and he's and he's also got choices at centre back. He can play Gomez at right back. You've got Simicast. He can step in for for 
for Robertson. I mean, they've got so much depth all across, which is one of the reasons why they're in these four finals. Because mm-hmm. if they hadn't had that, you know, I think about what eighteen months ago, two years ago, I think we were all saying, you know, they just didn't have any depth. But they have yeah, that now, true. and I think I think that's why they've managed to do this, or they've managed to get where they are now because of that depth. I mean, Klopp. Caught in the last month, it seems like he's been making five changes every time there's a Premier League game. Even, I think... even, even to the point of the Champions League, uh, where he made like six changes as well. So that, mm. that is absolutely huge. But to, to answer the question, I think there is so little between all the midfielders now. Yeah. I think I think Liverpool, when Wijnaldum was there, there was no question it was Wijnaldum, Fabinho and Henderson. That, that was the best three. Now well, I think it's it's harder. Henderson has to be in there. Fabinho has to be in there. But I I don't know I don't know which one next to the two of them is the best because yes Thiago can pass the ball, but he can't do he can't do the the other side of the game the way that that the best clock teams do because those those three that we spoke about earlier the job basically was get the ball and give it to the front three. And they would run their legs off and close people down and get it and give it. Thiago's better on the ball, but I don't think he has that in his legs. But saying yeah. that, I would play Thiago next to to Henderson and Fabinho. His passing is unbelievable, Stevie. I mean, he'll rip you to pieces. I mean, I felt that the two games against United, they were really close games. United made it give Real Madrid a blueprint. <laughs> Uh, One of the things that um, I think the club, you know, Stevie, as you know, uh, to be this good, you have to be getting so many things right off the pitch that don't don't make the headlines, right? um, One of the things that that I think they've done an unbelievable job with is the way they manage their fitness, because they do a really good job of limiting non-impacting injuries, and I think this is clubs been getting doing better and better and better at this each year. So when you're sitting in four finals, Stevie, right, competitive in all of them, and you're quite right. One of the things that we talked about previous years with Liverpool was do they have the depth? This you know playing that heavy metal football is very difficult. Requires incredible fitness, you know, and usually towards the end of the season you start to taper off. But Klopp has done an unbelievable job of making sure. These players are fit for the, exactly the way he wants to play. Yeah, yeah, no question. It, it's it's very difficult to 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 put anyone on top of that film because what you said is absolutely one hundred percent fact, yep. the truth, uh, and, and spot on. And and there's really nothing to add to it. Yeah. Uh, other other than, you know, I just I just hope people realise that the stuff off the field is hugely important. Mm-hmm. You know, we all see the end product on the field, but there are so many things that are not. You know, we can we can talk about. Sometimes you have to be a little lucky that pe- people don't get, you know, injuries or you know having missed long periods of time. They haven't had that this year, uh, and and you need that. But for, in order for that to be taken out of the equation, the other stuff that you're talking about giving people the right amount of time on the field and the right amount of time off the field and how long you train for and what you don't do and what 
and what you're eating. And I mean, there are so many things that are factual that, that if you've got some knowledge and experience and some brains, then it all adds up to the mix of getting to, to all these games that they're ready to play. So um, it's not always just on the field. There's an awful lot behind the scenes that have to be right, including th- chemistry as well. I think, sorry, Zach, we could just jump in here. One of the things that I think Klopp has done an unbelievable job in, and again, these are things that rarely get mentioned, but are really important, the things you notice when they're not being done. You very rarely see players, Liverpool players, in the, me- in the media off the pitch for the wrong reasons, right? You're not seeing them disrespecting the football club. You're not seeing them do things that are inconsistent with the ethos of the football club. Jurgen Klopp has done a really, really good job of not just bringing the exceptional players to the club, but bringing players to the club that respect the football club's identity. I mean, Liverpool are one of those football clubs that you could play for 10 different clubs, play for Liverpool for a year, and forever defend yourself by what happened at Liverpool. I mean, you look at Jose Enrique, you look at a lot of ex-Liverpool players, they're quite vocal on social media. Uh, Forget about the seven or eight other clubs that they played for, you know, Liverpool is the football club they identify. It's such a powerful football club. You get unbelievable support. But I think there's also a huge responsibility on the players to behave a certain way. It's commensurate with what Liverpool consider themselves. And, you know, I remember, Stevie, uh, a number of years ago, uh, the likes of Charles Atanji, um at the uh, Hillsborough Memorial, you know, um, uh, his conduct, which was far from flattering, We've seen this happen in the past. None of this stuff happens under the club. All these players know he's the boss. This is exactly what's expected of us. And all of those players make sure they're Liverpool players, even when they're not on the pitch. And I think they, he's done a brilliant job of making sure they respect the club too. And, and again, if you look back at all the best Liverpool sides, that's exactly what yeah. happened. The, yeah. the, stuff, the stuff that you're taught as soon as you walk through the door from the right people because let's face it there's, there's been a period where that hasn't been the case but when you when you walk through and you're you're, you're involved in Liverpool Liverpool people Liverpool mm-hmm. coaches proper coaches proper proper men things that have to be done properly then it, it goes from the field out off the field as well and it's basically you're doing the same thing yep. you're expected you need to take number one responsibility. Now, if if you take responsibility for everything you do, which is exactly what 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 was drummed in is everything mm-hmm. you do is your responsibility. Don't be blaming anybody else. 100%. Looking for excuses or anything else. Now, just that one thing. If you're responsible for yourself, not just on the field but off the field, then that's what you're going. That's what you'll see. You, you'll see professionals, mm-hmm. you'll see people not disrespecting, never mind their own club, but other clubs. You know, again, keep your mouth shut, do all your talking on the field, don't be talking in the press. Yes, yep. sir, no, sir, three bags full. And it's all part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and you, again, you, you're absolutely right. It, it matters. And it matters to supporters as well. I remember, I remember talking to a guy. And and he and he said to me, he said, you know, I I used to go. He said, he said, the only time I ever heard or saw you was on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. He said, and it was the same with all the players. 
there was nothing in the papers, nobody doing anything, nothing nothing going on whatsoever. I said, I didn't I didn't want to know what you were doing every day of the week anyway. I didn't want you to know if you were getting if you were doing modelling assignments or you were getting sponsored by certain people or you were going to some opening of a fridge or he said, I just wanted to watch you playing football. Um, he says, and that's all that, and that's all it was. I hadn't a clue what was going on from Saturday to Saturday. Mm-hmm. All of my heart was that Saturday and on the field. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Zach, sorry. <clears throat> you know, there haven't been that many times where Liverpool haven't looked invincible this season, but for 45 minutes at El Madrigal, they were the inferior side, and, and they obviously entered halftime 2 nothing down. Uh, curious, how did you think Unai Emery set up to... to perhaps best exploit Liverpool's weaknesses. And if you're Carlo Ancelotti, how how are you taking that uh, as, you know, trying to find the best way to exploit their weaknesses? Do you look at Etienne Capu's performance down the right flank in kind of a box-to-box role and think perhaps the best way is to use Federico Valverde in that? Or are you looking to the substitute hero, Rodrigo, and unleashing him on the right flank. What do you feel is the best way to uh, attack Liverpool in this respect? Well, I've got... I mean, I'll start with Villarreal. I just just think Liverpool started uh, as a unit. I don't don't think they were sent out. They weren't... I don't... I want to get this right, because... Hmm. In some ways, Villarreal did to Liverpool what Liverpool do to teams at Anfield. Mm. You know, from the get-go, they, they, they seemed to have more energy. Things were going their way. Um, Liverpool were rattled. You know, the best teams do get rattled. Yeah, you know? of course. And and Liverpool were rattled. And I was rattled. I'm sitting at half-time thinking, how are they going to get out of this? Because... You, you saw know, last day when it's sitting. I mean, two goals in no time, you know, it happens. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes when you start a game slowly, it's very difficult. Joe, Joe Fagan always used to say that. He said, look, start fast, and then you can slow down. He said, because if you start yeah. slow, yeah. and the opposition get after you, it's very difficult to then to then speed up and get your own pace of play going. And, and Liverpool just just couldn't get into the game. They couldn't keep the ball, um, losing second balls. I mean, and that was down to, I don't I don't think it was down to any tactical genius, by the way. It was down yeah. to the players were in a situation where they were at home. There's only, there's 25,000 people there, but it's in a small little stadium. Everything's, everything's on top of you. All the things that make Anfield difficult for teams. Yep. And it was the same thing, and they t- they took advantage of that to start the game, and and on that particular forty five, they took advantage of Liverpool side who weren't quite at it, which mm-hmm. happens. Of course. No, you see the class of the second half. Yes. And and that's very difficult to do when you've been so bad. It's very difficult to, in a space of fifteen minutes and yeah. half time conversation, go back to being the brilliant team that you were. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen too often. As far as Real Madrid, he's got a problem because Real Madrid can't do what Villarreal did in that in that first half. Mm-hmm. They can't. And in what sense, Stevie? What do you mean they can't back. do that? They'll sit back like that. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, I've been watching Real Madrid all season. Yeah. And even in games against so-called inferior teams, they they don't squeeze anybody. They don't they don't put any under anybody under so much pressure for a period of time. They just don't do it. That's not that's not them. They haven't they haven't done it all season. They haven't done it against PSG how they they get out of jail. They did it they they were good against Chelsea in the in the first leg at Stamford Bridge, but it wasn't because they were squeezing the life out of them. They just played well. And and then against Man City they got completely dominated for most of this, but had patches where they I mean, God knows, it's a soccer well, god. So what what did he do? If I'm I have no idea. If I'm Carlo Angelotti, I've no idea what to do. Because he can't go and ask a midfield three which will start of Modric, Cruz and Casemiro, who are all way over thirty years old. They yeah. can't do that. That's not happening. But you can't sit yeah. back. They tried to do that against yeah. um PS PSG and and were lucky. We're lucky they got beat 1-0 when it could have been 4-5. or five. So, if I'm Angelotti, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I just pray, pray that the gods are with them again. It's interesting because I was reading some stats on this. Liverpool haven't lost by more than two goals all season. And then I look at like the Barcelona game against Real Madrid where Barcelona hit them for five. Where Real Madrid are essentially strolling through the game. And you're going, this is... Okay, I can understand a one-off defeat against Valencia or something like that, but this is El Clasico. To walk through the game, you know, especially a wounded Barcelona prior to that, makes me question some things. Um, and they have that in them where sometimes it's not the Real Madrid of old. And, no. you know, sometimes they can... And if I look at them 1-11, to you know... So there's Vinicius defensively, Jr. Defensively, you can pull them apart. Right. I think the energy in midfield would be a concern to me. Uh, I think uh, when I look at Real Madrid's weaknesses, if they're really in the worst areas because those were, those were Liverpool's strengths. The other thing is Real Madrid won the league at the weekend. So there's four games to go, I believe. So these four yeah. games are dead rubbers for them. You know, I think if you get one game into dead rubber where you can rest your players, fine. But when you've got three, four weeks of dead rubbers, that's not the uh, best preparation tough. for going into a Champions League final where Liverpool still have that attention in the Premier League. So I don't think that is also helpful for Real Madrid. And if all things being equal, you would have to say Liverpool are the favourite. Oh, Liverpool, I mean, I'm scared to say this, but you've got to, you've got to just face facts. <laughs> Liverpool are huge favourites. I mean, every which way you look at this, you know, we've been talking about, you know, they can't they can't go and squeeze the life out of people because of the, the age of the middle of the park. You know, you're talking about, I mean, let's let's be honest, and 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 this game against Man City at home, they never did a shot on target until they scored the first until they scored mm. the two goals, mm-hmm. and and there was no there was no, I mean, you know, when you when you're behind. You would expect there would be some sort of urgency in your play. Yeah. Even even in the eighty sixth and eighty seventh minute, after the after Grealish has had a couple of chances, they're still walking around at the back, knocking it centre back to centre back, trying to you know try to play little bits of football. When you're like, 
you, you what? I couldn't believe what I was watching. I'm thinking, you you need two goals. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, how I could not explain how they won this game. So <laughs> if you want to analyse Liverpool against Madrid in the final, good luck figuring out why Real yeah. Madrid are going to win this because they've done nothing in the games leading up all the way through this you, this Champions League campaign to suggest why they would win it. Other than, other than just uh, this is football. When people try and explain yeah, what happened, and you say it's just football, anybody who doesn't know anything about the game will go, "What are they talking about? It's just football." <laughs> well, let me tell you, I've, I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of things. This run is is bonkers. They've been, they were, they were completely outplayed by PSG. Mm-hmm. They had a, a great spell against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge for half an hour but got outplayed for the rest of it, other than, again, a five-minute spell where somehow they, they beat Chelsea. They got completely and utterly dominated by Manchester City over two legs and somehow have won. So yeah. if somebody <clears> wants <throat> to try and sit down and analyse why Real Madrid's going to beat Liverpool, other than say it's down to the soccer gods, then good luck. Yeah. I think we also saw that in the first half. You know, Real Madrid were really comfortable to not even have possession. They did not even press and try to fight to win the ball back. You know, they were comfortable. Because we saw, even though City had the majority of possession, Madrid still ended up having, I would say, as many good opportunities, if not more. Uh, What do you think it is about that, perhaps that confidence in themselves, that belief that no matter how poorly, they'll have a chance? Yeah. I'm not having that. You don't think that's deliberate, Thieving? You don't think they're surrendering possession and saying, "Here, you have the ball." No, no, I don't, no, I don't mean that. No, yeah. I don't mean that. I'm just saying that you know, you know, I, I, I keep hearing this thing about you know, they, this team knows this and this team knows that. Listen, when you're playing football and you're continually getting outplayed, you are not running around thinking, "Well, don't worry about it," because we're going to score three goals in the last ten minutes. No, you try to figure out what the what the hell is going on, and how can we how can we get this done? And they couldn't figure it out, and they still can't figure it out, even though they've won the game. So it, it, it's it's completely and utterly bonkers. And again, I go back to what I was saying. If I'm Angelotti, how do I go about it? Well, I can't go at Liverpool because if you want to play an open game with that back four that Madrid's got, then you're going to they're not going to miss as many chances as City. So, so that's out. Again, if you want to sit on the edge of your box, the way they tried to do against PSG, yeah. you're going to try and do that against Liverpool. So that's out. You can't do that. So they've got a problem. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, uh, last question for me, Stevie, once again. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Don't forget, really folks, well. you can find Stevie. I love it. Good, Scott, one and an Irish, one and American. Let's have it. Uh, seriously, uh, you can find Stevie on ESPN FC. Always a privilege to have Stevie on on the show, and uh, I've had him on for a long, long time. So it's a tremendous honour for me. Uh, don't forget to check him out, of course. Craig Burley, uh, uh, Dan, the rest of the guys. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, really, really shaka, fantastic content, and uh, always enjoy watching these boys. Uh, Stevie, last question for me. Uh, it's a two part question. Uh, one. Do you think Liverpool will do the quadruple? And two, um, I have a fun question, but where would you rate Jurgen Klopp at the pantheon of great Liverpool managers? 
Oh, there's no question. He's 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 along. So he's he's up. Look, there's only ever going to be the top guys never going to get get beaten. Shanky, Shanky. you 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 know to, Shanky, Doug Leach, and then Shanky, I mean, Paisley, Doug Leach, and Klopp are all the, the the last three are all in the same bracket for me. Bob Bob Kenny and Jurgen are all, in my opinion, in the same bracket. I just think that you 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 can't not have Shanks at the top here. Okay, so the first three, Shankly, Paisley, Douglas, then Club. No. No, I think Shankly's got to be the top of the tree, and then the other three are just... All combined? All can't combined, split them? yeah. You can't, you, you, you can't separate. You, the only one you can separate is Shankly. He started it. He laid the foundations. He laid all the things that, that to this day, are still bringing success to the club. Um, you, can't go, you can't look past Bill Shankly. What about Roy Hodgson? <laughs> Sorry, I, I never heard that. that... <laughs> to be fair, he's a great guy, great manager, very good manager. Yeah, just they've had loads of good guys. Yeah, they've had loads of good guys, but hey, listen, that's, never, it's, never. Not, it's not about being the nice guy. Yeah. I was the fact, to be honest. Go ahead, Zach, I'll let you finish up, man. If Roy, uh, no, nothing, just giving him a little respect for his... Uh, yes, his absolutely. And he is a legend. But, he you know, is. my final question, I, you said that Liverpool is the favorite in this time. I, I agree with you. I think that, like you said, Madrid's ability to win these games despite being the clearly inferior side against PSG, Chelsea, City, it needs to be studied. You know, it cannot be explained. Um, so I definitely believe that Liverpool are the favorite. <laughs> I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> you can study it. You can study it till the cows come home, and you'll never be able to explain it. <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> well, 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 I'll let I'll let Zach do the studying and the conclusion. So, uh, um, two, well, just good to, luck with that one, Zach. Yeah. What what importance of playing for a club? You know, having that crest of the short of of a team like Real Madrid. How big is that uh, going into a match as, as this game? And overall, what do you think is going to be the biggest area that's going to make or break this tie for Liverpool? Taking the chances. Mm. Mm. There's no question they'll get chances. No question. Yeah. It's, it's about taking them. Uh, and if they do, um, then, then that'll be the deciding factor. No question. If, uh, quick caveat that, if you're Jurgen Klopp this summer, do you look to replace Firmino? Yes. Yes, I would do. I would do. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think so. And so. Origi. Well, Origi's going anyway, so it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. Um, as a, another forward. Um, and anyone in the academy, Stevie, that worth looking at or no? I, I, be honest with you, Phil. I don't, I don't know, don't know. A lot about the academy sure. guys. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and, so. and I didn't know an awful lot about Luis Diaz either. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's my these guys do well. You know, they've got that net and they understand what they need and what they're looking for. And so well, far, they've, they've managed to just keep bringing them in. This young guy here, he speaks fluent Portuguese and fluent Spanish, so I was able to learn from him 
a lot about Luis Diaz and uh, his worth. And so uh, he was talking about Luis Diaz for a while. So um, great, great signing for Liverpool. Stevie, I must say, once again, mate, an absolute pleasure, as always. Uh, no uh, I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best, mate. And I uh, wish Real Madrid all the best of fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> Cheers, Timmy. <laughs> oh, you must I'll be loving you, my I'll pain. Send you, oh, what? I'll send you a box of Kleenex. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you must no be child. loving my pain. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Timmy.